Welcome to Go For Side Picks. I'm your host, Kevin Simon. Today, we got a special guest, Mike, Army veteran. How are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm hanging in there. Yep, and another Army guy. And we all know my co-host, another Army guy, John. John, how in the hell are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on tonight, Mike. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks for So let's, we're going to dive in. Mike. Just give us a little story and your background about when you went in, where all you were over during Desert Storm. All right. I, uh, I enlisted in the Army in uh, January. Oh, I, I went into the Army in January 1984. Um, went to basic training on AIT at uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And then I was assigned to Fort Bliss, Texas uh, as uh, air, defend, air, air defense um uh, unit. Uh, my primary MOS was tactical communications operator slash repair. Um, I spent uh, the better half of last half of 1984 and 85 at Fort Bliss and then I was sent to a place called Izmit, Turkey which was a 25-man detachment in, in uh, right outside of Istanbul. It was a nuclear weapons facility our mission was to blow up the Bosporus Straits, keep the Russians out of uh, the Mediterranean Sea. I spent a year there, came back to Fort Bliss. I was assigned to the 3rd Armored Cavalry Regiment, spent about three years there with them, traveled to Germany, traveled, uh, of course, Fort Irwin several times. Then I came down on orders to go to Korea, was in Korea in, in 1990. Um, uh, at the DMZ of its 2nd Infantry Division. And um, then uh, I come back December of 1990. Um, Fort Bliss was completely empty. Most of those units were already deployed over the Desert Storm. Um, I signed into my unit um, January 2nd. Um, and I was on a plane to um, Fort Benning, Georgia around January 15th, and then from Fort Benning, Georgia, is where I did all my improvising, got all my anthrax shots, got all my, all the mm -hmm. shots, that stuff, and then I was sent by a civilian aircraft carrier, civilian airliner, to uh, um, Dharan uh, Air Base in um, Saudi Arabia. The audio? I Sorry, I was Mike. 11th uh, Air Defense Artillery uh, Brigade, and uh, uh, 2780A, which was a Patriot uh, missile battalion. Um, we had uh, three batteries there at uh, Daharan Air Base and around um, that whole area there. And we also had units in uh, Guitar and, and units in uh, Al Jabbar, which is um, the port city of about about an hour and a half drive up north. Uh, it's probably the northest that's where, and, and then. I spent, I arrived there on January 20th. The air war had already started. Um, wasn't there six hours and we were attacked by six Scud missiles. Um, oh. Went into Mop 4, was in Mop 4 for eight hours. Oh. Maybe all clear. All the, all, all the NBC equipment went off. It was detected of, of gas on multiple, multiple testing units. Um, we were hit again. Uh, that morning with another four Scud missiles, uh, we shot down probably four of them. The other ones broke up in the atmosphere, and we didn't engage those. Um, 
after my processing, I, like I said, I went in as a replacement. I didn't know anybody in my unit, and I was treated like a replacement. Um, hmm. um, I um, I stayed at the battalion headquarters for four days. During those four days, we were hit with 19 Scud missiles. We yeah. shot down. Um, and then I was transferred up to Al Jabal, which was a which was F battery of two seven uh, ADA, and was the communication sergeant there. Um, I got there, um, and it was uh, nothing but Marines and Navy. We were the only Army unit there. Um, huh. We uh, on January sixth, uh, yeah, on February sixteenth, we were hit with a Scud missile there at Al Jabal. It hit the uh, ocean. The Scud, uh, the the NBC alarms went off again. Uh, tested positive for nerve agent. Um, and then I. Um, on February 20th, which is just before the ground war started, I was doing maintenance on a Patriot unit missile. I was replacing some uh, communication cables that um, that had gotten damaged through the windstorms and dust storms there, and I fell off. I was rushed to a Navy hospital there. Uh, I was diagnosed with, um, back then, a concussion. Uh, traumatic brain injury didn't exist. It was a uh, concussion. I was put on light duty. If you can say that, there's no such thing there. So they they they, they made me be, become a runner, and basically a runner. I was running stuff between Al Jabal and, and Duran Air Base. Um, uh, from January, I mean from February 20th to February 25th, I was there when the Patriot missile, when a Scud missile hit the uh, supply depot. Um, killed 26 people, injured 100. I was uh, in the building next to it. Uh, didn't wow. have a scratch. Um, and then, of course, uh, the ground war took three, three or so, de- three or so days, and it was pretty much over. Um, I was exposed to the burn pits. I was exposed to, of course, sarin gas, um, and then plus all the uh, the bromide pills that they gave us. Um, Got uh, got the crabs, got all kinds of stuff. Uh, my injuries were, uh, I lost um, 75% of my eyesight. I have a permanently dilated pupil. Um, it was later diagnosed as a traumatic brain injury. Um, um, I've since suffered from, and then, of course, my back went out on me. Uh, uh, spinal stenosis, uh, I had some vertebrae that were, messed up uh been dealing with that ever since um i got out i was uh i uh, like i said i spent eight years in the service and i got out uh shortly after i got out i i came back from desert storm i want to say the end of april i was very lucky i only spent about four months there um yeah. only because i was already overseas and i was coming back uh, from my my tour in in korea um yeah. Got out. I was kind of forced to get out because my wife divorced me, left me with three kids. I became a single parent, so the army kicked me out. Um, that happened. That actually happened to a guy on my ship. So um, I um, I um, got out and said I got to get to work, um, and so I, I got a job. Thank God it was a it was a I, I didn't do anything in the do with what I did in the service. Um, got into uh, construction. And not 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 the physical part of construction, but more of the planning and development. I was a blueprint reader, uh, estimator. Um, did takeoffs, a lot of both residential and commercial, and did that for 
well, until I couldn't work anymore, which is six years ago. Uh, I was, um, yeah, I was diagnosed with sleep apnea, um, uh, radiculopathy or, or muscle twitching. I've, I've had problems with my knees, my legs, my back. I uh, was on a walker for several years. Uh, went through intense uh, therapy for PTSD uh, many, many years ago. I'm still on medication for that. And then I was diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer about six years ago. Internal uh, radiation, thought they got it all. Uh, and that wasn't done at the VA. I was, I was very lucky. I, I, I filed my first claim in 1992, was denied um, on all of it. Uh, I was service-connected for my eye and service-connected for my, my broken foot and a few other things, but they were all at 0%. Um, they denied me for everything else. And then I, I kept filing and filing and filing about every two years, but I was doing it by myself. I was going to uh, ask, so you were taking care of this filing by yourself, which is, I until, mean, until 2000, until, until 2010 wow. and I got DFW, um, got a VSO and sure enough, as soon as she did it, I went from zero to 80%. Uh, really? Wow. <laughs> Took them two years, but the 2012, I, I was 80 percent disabled in, in 2012. That doesn't have anything to do with my cancer. Um, mostly for my 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 head injury, my injury. Um, I was still den- I've been denied from my back injury ever since. Um, and then um, I started having problems, uh, internal problems. Um, uh, I was diagnosed that same year in 2012 with skin cancer. Um, I get these little bumps that, that spread on my back and I've had them ever since I was in golf, ever since I was in desert storm, they started cutting them off at, um, earlier, uh, you know, probably 2008, they started cutting them all off, but, uh, they started being cancerous in 2012. I've had eight of them cut off that were cancerous on my back and my face. And I go, I have to go every six months to a dermatologist, to, to have them check them, uh, knock on wood the past six or seven years have all been benign. Uh, but uh, like I said, I was diagnosed um, with prostate cancer in 2017 and uh, went through internal radiation uh, at a civilian doctor uh, because the VA couldn't help. Um, thought it was gone. Um, and then 2020 came along and everyone knows what 2020 was, was the pandemic. I couldn't get in to see anybody, not even a civilian doctor, the telephone, telemedicine. They, they do my blood work. My PSA levels started tripling and doubling. And, uh, they put me on, um, uh, Lupron, which is, um, uh, hormonal therapy. It cuts off your testosterone and the testosterone what speeds the, the cancer. And I've been on that ever since. Uh, but I had bad reactions to it, and the doctor didn't want to give it to me anymore. Um, and then just this six months ago, I went through and did a um, bunch more um, diagnostic testing and biopsies, and then they found out that the, the cancer spread through my lip nodes. Um, so they, 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 they requested me take a special medication. It's a pill medication. It's the same thing as Lupron, but it's not an injections. And uh, the VA denied me those. Um, so, really? yeah, wow. two months ago, they denied it. The, the, the pharmacy denied it, said that it wasn't on their formulary. But then the doctor that I'm seeing, 
which is, again, I'm not seeing a, a, a VA provider for my cancer. It's, it's what they call community care. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I've been on community care ever since, since the pandemic. I, you know, uh, the only VA doctor I've been seeing is for my eye um, and, um, and my PTSD, of course. And um, so I had to go to uh, the, the, what do they call it, the community. Uh, I mean, I had, to, I had to call my congresswoman, and those people got involved. And I had to call the, uh, uh, the customer advocate. I had to go down there and sit to them. And finally, after two months, they've approved my medicine. So I finally got that. I was scheduled to go into um, – um, um, radiation, more radiation therapy in two weeks. It's going to be six weeks every day for an hour. So uh, I'm not looking forward to that. But uh, the doctor says they're going to be playing well, uh, on me for the rest of my life. What I'm trying to do is keep it from getting to my bones. Nice. It gets to the bone, um, it's pretty much goodbye. So, what do you have? I, my 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 problem list. The VA is actually ten pages long. I I, I didn't list everything. <laughs> So, Mike, I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go way back early in the conversation because I'm. I'm. I'm genuinely curious because I know. I think I know what the answer is going to be. Is about when you were in theater and you, the nerve agent was detected, and you. So you were an NCO at that point. Yeah. And so, what did they tell you? When 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 you when when it was positive detection, did that get properly annotated? Or was it not annotated? Or how were you guys instructed to, to acknowledge or disregard or whatever on that? I'm curious. Well, um, first of you, first of all, the, when, when, when that happened, you could tell there was a lot of panic set in. Uh, I, I had a, a unique uh, setting. I was the communication sergeant, so I set in a lot of officer briefing. Okay. Uh, uh, from the colonel. To the generals, I, I heard pretty much all the communication. Um, okay. It, first of all, they, they wouldn't know how many casualties. That was the, the number one thing. How many casualties do we have? And that's the thing is nobody was getting sick. Um, and, and my my take on what they thought is is we were hitting these Scud missiles way up in the air, and the stuff was falling down on us. So we the, the stuff was evaporating, but we were getting minute traces of it. Uh, that's one. That's my take on it. But we 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 kept logs on everything, everything from when we the alarms went off, from when it was detected, from the, the NBC uh, officers when when they were they would double check it, they triple checked it, and but no one was getting sick. So, like I said, we were in MOP four um, for eight hours straight, um, yeah. and got a kind of crazy because we never trained for eight hours straight in my four um so, so kevin kevin i i know i i'm sure we've talked about this but i don't know how it is in the navy do you understand what mop four is kevin yeah well you think we're you done do or don't? yeah i don't know i don't know what people they do not think the navy i tell you what i don't but, know so I, yeah I what, yeah the major cover-up they they were hiding it all oh yeah um, they were hiding it all um, the fun <laughs> we shot these scud missiles down. We'd go and collect them up and bring them over to our CP, and everyone would crawl all over them. Uh, what? It, yeah. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah. There's, 
out there. If you really go and look, there's pictures of guys standing next to destroyed Scud missiles um, uh, with no protection on. So uh, anyway, after about, I want to say after about seven days, man, they just disregarded the alarms. There, there's some of the units that just turned, <laughs> they just turned yeah. them off. I'm, well, I'm familiar with that, and so I appreciate you answering the question. I was just, I know, as do many know, that a lot of these records get destroyed, right? They don't want proof. You know, even though we do our due diligence or writing stuff down, that doesn't mean it's going to make it to the top. And if it makes it to the top, it's going to get, you know, shared. So, I mean, that was, we well, all know, we all already know the information there, but, you know. We had people come to our units in civilian clothes. Well, I, I'm pretty sure they were CIA but I can't verify that. They collected all of our logbooks. They took them. Oh, we didn't mention that. <laughs> we didn't. Well, well, now I got a question. Let's get back to where you were fixing the Scud missile stuff. Well, what do y'all call that? What are you talking about? The launcher that you were working on that you fell off. Yeah. Okay. My question is, is, is there like a just one button you press and it does it or is it like remote control or what was what was that like well first of all the patriot missile system was designed to shoot down aircraft it wasn't designed to shoot down missiles uh they updated those missiles about six months before they deployed to um uh, desert shield um and the system is is usually a a, a, a battery uh, has four missile launchers. Every missile launcher has four 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 uh, missiles. It's run by a, a massive radar system and a control van. Uh, in the control van, you have an officer, you have an NCO, and you have a communications person. Um, the, they use a bunch of things. So we've coordinated with the Air Force. We use a lot of AWACS to coordinate the launches. That's how they detected the launches in in Iraq. Uh, and then they tracked them, and as soon as they got within distance, the, the you know the Patriot missile had a range of about 20 miles, I'd say, um, effective back then. I don't know about now. I'm I'm sure they've upgraded them since then. They're still using them, but um, um, once they tracked on, it's pretty much done electronically. Uh, the only one that pushes the button is the officer that launches it. And now, typically, we were launching two to three missiles for every Scud missile because we didn't know the proximity of what the accuracy was. Now I can tell you that if everyone remember George Bush going on TV saying the Patriot was 31 out of 30 hits, that was a lie. We were about 50% accurate at that hmm. best. The yeah. thing is, people don't know the Scud missile was basically a, a, a humong humongous, huge uh, hot water tank, about 36 feet long, and it was filled with. Uh, um, it was pro it was uh, kerosene that, that that propelled it. It went up into the atmosphere, and the problem was that they were so poorly built that when they got into the atmosphere, they broke up. So we didn't know what to hit. You know, you either hit the 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 the, the fuel propellant portion of it or the warhead portion of it. So that's why they were shooting so many so many Patriots at it. Uh, but uh, no, it's it's a very high tech system. I can tell you that. I, again, I'm not trained on it. I was lucky enough to sit in there several times. As part of my duties uh, as the communication sergeant, um, um, but they did a lot of communications between the Air Force um, and and um, our um, detection systems. I don't even know where they were from uh, where they detected these things because the the range of a, a Scud missile was about four or five hundred miles. 
Man, mm. all I can tell you is, is I would like to be the one behind the controller. So if the military is willing to give me one, put it in my backyard, <laughs> I could play around with it. I, you know, I could have a lot of fun with that shit. Now, let's get back to when you were talking about with the VA and and moving over to Champ VA. With me, I don't I, I don't get that choice to go to Champ VA. I have to ask my provider permission to go, and they have to. But you did something very unique that I don't know if anybody else called caught what you said. You called your congressman. Mm. And that right there, I, if you've ever heard me talk, that's one of the things I preach. If you're having problems, go see your congress, congressman. Go down there, talk to them. And that's what a lot of vets don't know. If you go down, I know you don't think that they care, but if you go down there at least 10 times, their ass is going to be like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? It's true. Well, squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? Right. So, I actually never did this, got to speak to my congresswoman, but her staff, uh, really jumped on the ball, to be honest with you. They made like two or three calls, and the next thing, my phone was blowing up. So I don't know what kind of connections they have, but um, I should have done that a lot, lot, lot sooner on a lot of other things many, many years ago. And, um, yeah, if, if you're not getting the help you need, see, see I, I truly, truly, truly want to believe that the doctors and the, and the people at the VA want to do the I truly believe it. I, I think the problem is, is the administrators, people that make the money decisions, the people that make uh, the, 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 the people, the hiring decisions. You know, um, I, For example, here in El Paso, Texas, we have a population of about 800,000 people that we know of, uh, not including the people we don't know about. But um, there's 65,000 veterans that live here. We have no VA hospital. It's all it's a VA clinic. What? No VA hospital? VA hospital. It's a VA clinic. And they've been short-staffed wow. doctors forever. Like I said, I, 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 uh, I, uh, when, I, when I moved here, it's been four years now, I was put on what they call community care. I was given a, 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 a private uh, primary doctor uh, in the community because the simple fact they had no, not enough space for them. They don't have enough, they don't have enough facilities here. Um, problem is, is they never train any of the, the community doctors to speak VA. Uh, so if they don't write your stuff up, right, it gets rejected. They don't your diagnosis, right. They don't write your prescription correctly. They don't use the formulary. They don't use the, they don't use VA speak. They deny it. So you have to go over and over and over again, trying to get it corrected. The other bad thing about community care is, is, uh, those doctors can't see your VA records. Uh, you have to no, carry but they, but they do. So, and I didn't know this because when I, when I would get stuff in the mail saying, this is not a bill, this is just what we paid whoever you saw in care in the community, that person or that, that doctor, they get the same piece of paper that we get, or at least they say, this is what needs to be corrected. Um, and I didn't know that. I was like, oh, well they got it. So if there's a hiccup, cause I've had that happen to me once or twice, for, you know, if I had to go to the emergency room, you know, because when you go to the emergency room, you're going to get, you know, not just the bill, you're going to get like three or four or five different bills, right? And they, they, you know, the people who are taking care of that billing, 
they, uh, like you said, they don't do it upright. And I get something in the mail. I say, nope. I call them up. I say, nope. This is this is uh, this is covered. You know, um, here's the number. I give them the number to call, and they and they try and stay on the phone with you, like they're going to collect some money. I'm like, nope. Here's the deal. Blah blah blah. You understand? Okay. Have a good day. Click. I don't. I'm not going to sit there and wait. You know, because they want to waste your time. You know, but I know that you know because where I live, there's a clinic. There's one in our county, one in next county, one in next county, and so that's it, that's good. But you're right; they're they're understaffed. Yeah. Well, not to not to mention that if if you get cancer, there's only so many cancer treatment centers that the VA has. Like in Texas, there's only two: one in San Antonio and one in Houston. Right. All facilities don't have a cancer treatment center. They're, you're 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 sent out to the community. Uh, New Mexico, the state of New Mexico, does not have a, can- a VA cancer treatment center at all. Uh, California has probably one of the most, probably four or five of them in California. Uh, VA Long Beach, uh, VA Los Angeles, and I think there's there's uh, one down in San Diego, and I know there's got to be one up towards uh, San Francisco. The only reason I say that, I lived in California for many, many, many years, and I was serviced well, from 2012 till 2019, I, I was exclusively being treated at the VA in um, in Long Beach. Uh, problem is, there were so many patients there that they could, that there was the waiting time to get treated on cancer was six seven months. Um, so uh, that's why I had to go out to UCLA and get my first cancer treatment done. Um, so. There's pros and cons to it. Don't get me wrong. My doctors that I that, that they assigned me to were great. Didn't have any problems. The problem was the communication with my medical records getting to to uh, to the proper VA, and they still don't go. If you if you go into your health, my healthy vet, any any medical records from the community is not in your health my healthy vet. You won't get them there. They don't put them there. Um, so that. A big dis, dis, disconnect as far as communication with that. I have nothing against community care. It's great. They just got to figure out how to get the medical records in so your other doctors can see them. Because what, what happens now is every time I every time my doctor wants blood work, I got to go give new blood. I mean, hmm. I, I done about every month now from one of their doctors because they won't see it. Now, I carry them around because I, I'm tired of getting pricked. Um, but, and, but the thing is, is my, my medical records are this thick. Most doctors you walk into ain't going to read those. They ain't going to do it. No, it's so true. They just won't. They don't have the time. Everyone's too busy. Um, but uh, what I can tell everyone out there, if you served there, even if you served in, in, in OIF or in you know, Iraq, go get tested for cancer. Don't wait to your age limit because mine could have been detected probably five years earlier. But uh, the rule is back then they didn't test you for those cancers until you turned 50. So hold on. So I got a question. So you say, um, because I, I mean, I, you're saying asked to be tested for cancer, but that's only because your 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 symptoms or see, I don't, I, I wouldn't know. You know, if I'm having problems, they do the blood work, and I'm assuming they detect issues there, and that's where it goes from. Okay. Well- well, there's a thing called PSA test. It's a it's a test of the, the cancer in, in blood work. Uh, right. That test, test is normally not on the schedule of tests. Like if you go to your primary doctor, they test for, um, you know, um, um, you know, liver function and and kidney function and cholesterol and all that right. kind of stuff. Don't test for cancer until you hit a certain age limit. 
and then 50. Uh, and that's and then the funny thing is, is once the first test I tested for PS for my PSA, man, it was three times what it should have been. Oh, so you so you had to request the, no. the check. You no. did not have to. Oh, okay. Oh, and I was having problems. I was having some pains. I was having some peeing problems. I was having some uh, private part issues. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but they all diagnosed it with a bunch of other stuff. You know, uh, overactive bladder. Uh, they diagnosed me with overactive bladder. They diagnosed me with ED. They diagnosed me with uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh Back five years before I was diagnosed with cancer, they never tested me for cancer. Yeah, huh. see, and that's a problem. That's that's the one thing about it is, you, you know, a lot of the doctors you go to, they're gen- general doctors. You literally got to almost go to a damn specialist that says, no, wait a second, there's more going on here. And there's more going on. But we don't see specialists. A, a lot of people think we do. But we do not see specialists. We see practicing nurse practitioners that come in, listen to what you have to say, tell them what's going on. They read your charts from last three months. Then they send it up to the specialist says, well, I think it's this, 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 and this. And they'll go, okay. And, And I'm like, so, or they're on a computer, like a laptop. They get on there, you're telling them what's going on, and it's like a book that comes up that can tell them, well, you can have this, it can either be this, we're going to try this. That's what a lot of them do now, because that's what they're being trained for. Absolutely. And the thing is, with with, with any cancer, and and is it the, the early detection, the better? Um. In my case, well, what are the things? I don't know. Um, and I'm not mad at anybody, to be honest with you. It's just uh, I'm just trying to get it taken care of. Yeah. Um, and uh, but, you know, the, the VA is really good at throwing medication at you and giving you a diagnosis. And sometimes they don't even give you they just give you medication. You know, uh, like I said, one time I was on 23 different medications and half of them were just making things worse. And, oh, crap. Yeah. And, and that's where, like, last week's came in, where we were talking about, you know, the patches and what, what, what we're proposing over what, not what the VA, we, t- we don't want anybody to stop taking their medicine. But for people that are dealing with cancer, there's like cancer protocols, there's all protocols for everything, like what I have neuropathy. X39, Ice Wave, boom, I was taken care of. Yours yours is going to be different. John's was different. Mm -hmm. But that's why I'm pushing what we we have because there's no chemicals, there's no medication inside, and it's clinically safe, no side, side effects to it. That's the one thing about it is these guys that that I, I know you're given so much medicine to take. This isn't medicine. It's a patch. It goes on the back of your neck. It goes underneath your feet. It goes where the pain is. And it literally starts working with your own body's chemicals. 
And so, yeah, sure. sorry, don't mean interrupt. Yeah, Go ahead, and, and sorry. with with what we've studied, what we're looking at, it just isn't me that's looked into this. It's my mom, my dad, my uncle. Uh, it's well, it's my cousin, but he's old enough to be be my uncle. Uh, it's you. It's Wade. It's Pete and Christy. This works. It. It does, and I I can tell each and every person out there, you may not have the results I have right away, but even like John, even though it took three weeks to get his ass up to say, hey, freaking do this. John, John, tell the stories. Uh, Okay, we had Janetta on. uh, Yes. Okay, Uh, we're not going to say what she does or anything, but we had her on. I want you to tell a story of what happened just this week. So I, so, um, yeah, I was a procrastinator cause I, I'm, uh, I, I, like a lot of us veterans where we, we don't believe it until it's sitting in front of us and we want, you know, immediate results. That being said, my next door neighbor, who's a 90 year old Korean vet, he has problems with neuropathy. So he was the, he was aside from myself and my family, He's one of the first friends uh, that I tried this on, and he was out of pain. I, you know, I put the ice wire. So it's photolight therapy, right? That's how it works. It's a non-transdermal patch. In other words, it doesn't transfer any medications into the body. And and John was like, so my ne- next door neighbor's name is also John. I said, how you doing? And he says, I don't have any pain. I'm doing great. And that further went to put the X39 patch on him. He can't reach the back of the neck. So I put it on for him and I went back and asked him a few questions, you know, how'd you sleep? You know, um, you know, not, not, he, he was having to get up multiple times in the middle of the night to go pee, but now he only has to do that once. He's, he feels better. Doesn't have any pain in his, in his, in his legs anymore. And then I shared this information with, with, with Janetta and she, he was coming over to help John. He was, uh, John needed uh, some, some Jeanette, or Jeanette needs some paperwork signed um, to get, to get some authorization done for John. And I was sharing with her what I had found out. And she had said, well, you know, I, I asked her, do you got any pain anywhere? And she kind of explained, yeah, I got some pain in my knees and whatnot. So I put these ice wave patches on the bottom of her feet. And we were just talking about other things for a few minutes. And she's getting ready to leave, and I didn't ask any more questions. And she's about ready to walk out the door. She looks back at me. She goes, "Wow, I think I'm feeling it already." And her husband happens to be a Navy vet. I gave her a, another set of patches. I said, "Try these on your husband." And she went and she tried them on her husband. Her husband, I think, uh, does something in the construction field. I don't know exactly what he does, but you know, hard worker. And he was—I I, think—I want to say shoulder, maybe shoulder pains he was having, and he was out of pain. And she goes, ops, where do I sign up? You know, these patches work. And this is something, this is a person that deals a lot with the military community. So that's proof is in the pudding. Right. And that's, that's why I, I push this. I push this on all the go for sites. I push this anywhere that veterans, all it would take is just to try it one time. 100% money back guarantee. If you try it, I'm telling you, you can call me up. I'll tell you how to put them on and you will sit there and thank me for everything you ever had. 
And, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's the craziest thing. But for with you, you might, you know, you got to have a different protocol for with what you're going through, cancer and stuff like that. There are different protocols for everything that you do. And so, which, you know, I, I give you a number to call, call tomorrow. But the stuff that you've gone through, Mike, I, 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 from bottom of my heart, thanks, man. Thanks for your service. Thanks for coming on here telling all of us what you're going through because a lot of people are in your boat that wouldn't talk about it. I can tell you it's a long, long, hard fight, but you can't give up. Uh, the VA's red tape can be broken, but it takes a lot of fight. And I, I'll be honest with you, I gave up there for a long time, from, two, from 1992 to basically 2005. I didn't want nothing to do with the VA. I, I, I was blessed to have private health insurance up until I quit working about six years ago. Uh, now I'm, I'm totally relying on it. I mean, I have some other op uh, options if I had to, but I, I'm totally um, de dependent on the VA healthcare system right now to, um, to, to help, me, help me stay alive. And, um, it's just, um, and there, there's good places and bad places, but I can tell you, I, I really, I really, I it, it's, you can't give up. You can't give up. And, and uh, there's been so many days I've cried, broken stuff and, um, did a whole bunch of did things I, 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 I regret. Um, but you got to talk to that right person. And if it is calling your congressperson and you know what you might not talk to your congressperson because i never did talk to her i talked to her representatives mm -hmm. and they got on the boat and then coupled with uh patient advocacy i actually think that's who they called because uh things yeah. started next thing you know i was getting calls from everything there and they tried to make excuses for why they didn't do it and i said look i don't want any excuses i just 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 do what the doctor's telling you to do you sent me to a doctor to treat me, but yet you won't give the medication that they want me to take. And it's not right. So the moral of the story is what Mike is telling y'all fight for your life. That's the moral of the story. That's that literally is what a lot of people may not understand. I mean, even in the civilian world, you still have to fight for your life you, you you go to a doctor you don't walk in there if you got a stub toe and tell them your freaking finger hurts when you're there for your toe i mean it's just true i mean okay bad analogy maybe but i mean it it is you know it's it's kind of like like when i went in i went to a doctor and i walked in and this poor lady in the hospital she looked at me she goes Baby, what's wrong with you? Well, when you're crawling in all fours on your leg, you know, hands and legs, I'm in all fours, and I'm bawling my eyes out. And this poor lady looks over, and she goes, Sugar, what's wrong with you? I looked up, I said, I'm having kidney stones. No. Let me tell you something. That lady didn't question me. That lady got, she was like, come on over here. And I crawled over, got up in this chair. They came and got a wheelchair, wheelchair me right to the x-ray machine. Sure enough, I had an inch and a half big kidney stone. 
And that's crazy. And Ugh. right. But I didn't I didn't go in there and give them a you, you know if they would have told me it wasn't a kidney stone, I would have I would have kicked their ass because I know what one feels like. And and that's what you're trying to say, Mike, is that hey, I know what I have. I know what needs to be done. Let's take care of it. Yeah. But to be honest, yeah, and now I do, but uh fifteen years ago I didn't. I had no clue. Um but uh, the, the VA didn't recognize 11 cancers for Desert Storm veterans if they didn't know there was a problem. On my VA claim that I just got today, it says on there, you were exposed to hazardous airborne materials. Right, and they, is, that um, how, is that how it's phrased? Yep. Hey, doesn't that piss you off, though? Doesn't that just piss you off that... They don't say nerve gas. They don't say burn pits. They don't say anything. It says hazardous airborne materials. Right. Yeah. 11 cancers. So I'm service connected. Thank God. Like I said, the only reason I filed this claim is because if I died, I want my wife to get my benefit. And um, so, yeah, that's that's how it came. Now, it took a, a little while, but uh, a little fighting. But, uh, yeah, it says it right on there that uh, these 11 cancers, uh, you have it. I, like I said, I, it's... Um, but uh, there's a lot of people out there. I, I really didn't have a lot of a lot of symptoms for a long time, and they were misdiagnosed as overactive bladder or diagnosed with something else that had something close and similar to it, but it wasn't cancer. And I went on for like five, six more years until they finally gave me a PSA test wow, to figure out. Well, well, see, you you were advocating for yourself, which we always talk about on this on this podcast, advocate, 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 and do a follow-up. Just don't make one or two phone calls and sit back and wait for them to call. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. And, you know, you had mentioned once you went to a, a VSO, so a veteran service officer, and and we've talked on this podcast before how they're not all the same because some are more willing to do stuff. I got a phenomenal VSO officer in my area here. She does phenomenal work, and we're fortunate. And, and we... Like you, like you had said, Mike, the VA, I genuinely, as you say, I genuinely feel that my providers try and do their level best. You have to educate them on what your issues and what you're dealing with, especially in care in the community, you know, and, you know, because these doctors, they want to do right by you, but they only, they're not, as we've often talked, they're not trained. You have to bring them up to speed in a short order. Yes, like you said, some of us have thicker medical records than others. You know, cut to the chase. Here's my worst case scenario. Or here's here's what's bothering me the most. You know, here's what's happened to me, blah, 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 blah. And then boom, you know, and go. And, and, and Kevin and I and Hope and Wade and all of us who have learned about these patches um, I myself have different results than Kevin. My wife does no longer has to get injections in her shoulder because, I mean, she's got a crazy high pain tolerance like a lot of women do. But she says, she's a very honest person. She goes, I'm not in pain anymore. I don't have any more pain, you know? And she goes, hey, this, is, this is the woman thing because I wouldn't have ever thought. She goes, and my skin is softer or whatever she said. I'm like, okay, you know? <laughs> and... and um, really? Okay. We've heard that. Okay. That's good. But, but um, and, and she's sleeping better. I'm sleeping better. My, I, my range of motion and my joints is better. I don't have pain. I still have gut issues. I still have gut pain. I still, you know, that hasn't gone away. Has it, I've, I've noticed 
it's gotten I don't I don't get in as much pain as quickly as what I did. So it's gonna take time. Um but I'm I'm definitely seeing benefits. So no question it works. But right. here again, right. different people, different different results. Right. And you know? we're we're but about it, to go into the after the show show, but I just want to uh, just Mike's even done research on these patches. And I just want you to tell me what the research you've looked at for it and stuff like that. Were you pretty impressed with it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and to be quite honest with you, I'm ready to order them now. I was just trying to get a little bit more information to make sure (laughs) I'm going to make it worse with all the medications that they got me on. That's that thing. And and to be quite honest with you, I know you're advocating not to not to take medicines. My my whole objection is to get off these medications because if you really read in deep, deep in some of these medications, they have a lot of side effects. Yes, problem. And and, uh, and they it, do, and they do, Mike. I I I I I understand that, but I can't advocate for you. You know, I can't advocate for you to get off of them. That's that's got to be that person's choice. But I'm going to advocate one thing. In the very beginning. In the comment section, I put in the www.goforsideeffectpatches.com. Y'all go look at the research. Y'all go look at it. Research it. This isn't something that was just done overnight. 20 years experience. The guy did it for the Navy SEALs. I mean, to me, that's a powerful statement. And, I mean, go to our website. Check it out. 100% 100% money back guarantee. I'm going to push this every podcast because I believe it should be in every hand of every go for vest. And I promise you, you'll see results. Some may take time. Some will be quick like me, but you will see it. But with that being said, we're going to go into the after show show now. I want to thank each and everybody for listening. John, thanks for coming on. Michael. Especially, Godspeed with you, man. Thank you for listening to Go For Side Effects. If you have a story or you would like to share or just come on with any comments or questions, please email me at kevinsimon at go